bed with a kid. My parents want grandkids. Uh, they're not getting them. Because <laughs> I get to decide. Not my fault. No, they could have had more kids. My whole childhood, I asked my parents for an older brother, and they never gave me one. <laughs> I don't know. Children to me, they're like, they're like Netflix. <laughs> like, I enjoy them, but not enough to get my own subscription. <laughs> but let me hold your password, though. <laughs> Children are expensive in ways you don't even think about. Yeah, you know. I mean, obviously, you gotta feed them and clothe them and educate them, you know? There's little things, man. My godson, I don't know. He told me he got $10 from a tooth fairy once. I was like, what? How the hell you get $10 from a tooth fairy when your fairy owed me 80 bucks? Like, I was really mad. His mom was like, well, Aaron, you don't understand because you don't have kids. Like, it's gotten expensive. And I was like, gotten expensive? Uh, I don't think you realize that as the tooth fairy, you control the market. Like, you know, When I was a kid and I lost a tooth, all I got was a, a bigger tooth is all I got. <laughs> I can see it now. Even if I did have kids, they'd be coming up to me like, Ma, I lost a tooth. I put it under my pillow. How come I didn't get anything? And I would have to tell them, honey, you didn't get anything because today is the 23rd. <laughs> mm -hmm. And your tooth fairy comes on the 1st and 15th. <laughs> They turn into teenagers, and I don't ever want one of those. Yeah, man, I ain't met a teenager I like since I was a teenager. People say our kids are our future. We have to invest in them. Kids are our future. And that's supposed to give us hope. I'm gonna be honest, y'all. I keep running into kids that I hope don't make it. I'm not convinced every kid is future material. I ran into a girl at a CVS drugstore and I'm like, oh, she might be the end of us. She, she must be what the Mayans meant. <laughs> uh, she's behind the register. The total of the items that I was buying came to $3.90. $3.90, I gave her $4. She rang me up, she looked down in the drawer and with a straight face she said to me, sorry, but we ain't got no dimes. And that's all she said. She was done. She called for the next customer. Like, that was the end of the transaction. <laughs> like, I was gonna leave without my change because dimes was the only way you could get to 10. <laughs> Not a problem solver, this girl. So I... Took a deep breath. I said, okay, I understand that you ain't got no dimes. I get it. Got it. Are there nickels and pennies in your drawer? Where did she look back down and was like, yeah, why? And I hope she doesn't make it. That's the whole joke. I'm not finna write a punchline. That's enough. I Googled my high Okay. Oh, uh, where are we going here? Um, it is. January 2nd, uh, 2019, the whole new year, whole friggin' new year, okay, what the hell you want to talk about, you want to talk about how Louis C.K. revealed himself to be another trash-ass white dude, you want to talk about that, but he did a set over at some club, and he just Start talking about all the trash ass stuff white people, white dudes talk about. You want to talk about? Oh, you want to talk about Tiffany Haddish? Uh, did a bad set on New Year's Eve, and now every you know black people are all just I yeah. See, she, I told you she wasn't funny. Cat Williams had it, you know, told us that she wasn't funny. Just basically just bitter that she's uh, making money and they ain't. 
Yeah, I feel. Or want to talk about how Trump is just Trump? Just want to talk about that for ten minutes, which I don't feel like doing. You know what? Here's I just drew up a list of some things we don't need in the final year of the tens, the two thousand tens. Hopefully, we won't have any of that. But you know, just knowing who we are as a society and the culture they'll most likely still be around so um let's see uh, where, where do we start uh we don't need uh reboots of uh tv to happen in the 80s and 90s but it's darker now it's like netflix got that whole thing on lock we're just like you know you like sabrina but our Sabrina, you know, even though she's a witch, she's really a witch. You don't want to deal with her because she might kill you because she's a witch and everything. Like, no, really, we don't. We don't need any more of that. Don't you? Know, as, as they say, as the kids say, don't ruin our childhoods. We don't need Instagram models telling us to drink detox tea because it's clearly laxative. First of all, you can just go buy some X-Lax and just do that. I had to take some X-Lax over the summer and just like that works quite well. So you don't have to buy all this fancy expensive tea and just tea, whatever it is. Just go get some X-Lax. Uh, let's see. Uh, we don't need summer blockbusters to come out on time if it means uh, the movie, the filmmakers will uh, spend more time trying to make it better. Here's, here's, here's something. Like, what is it, like 20, uh, 21, 22 years ago, James Cameron uh, made that Titanic movie, and it was supposed to come out in the summer of 97, uh, but it didn't because James Cameron was like, uh, yeah, we're going to spend some more time trying to make this better. And it came out in December, the winter of 97, and, of course, it ended up being one of the most successful movies of all time. Yeah, yeah. We, I, I'm, I don't know about anybody else, but I, I'm all right with that. I'm all right with filmmakers actually taking the time and effort to make sure their movies are good. Because, you know, hey, it might work out in everybody's favor. Like, it might be a hit and everybody might like it. It'll be a classic or whatever. So, yeah. What else? Uh, we don't. I mean, by the way, the same thing goes for albums. I'm getting tired of these 22-minute EPs uh, pretending to be albums. Like, yeah, this because I don't know. I don't know about y'all, but whatever Kanye did over the summer, that's not an album. I don't know what it is, but that wasn't an album. So, so if you need more time in the lab. You know, just do what you gotta do. Just make sure you're you're sure about what you want to make a movie or make you know what you want to make and make sure it comes out good. Uh, we don't need white people calling the cops on black people because they got too many coupons. Uh, if the if black people have coupons, um, okay. I don't know why. Uh, I, every three months. There's a video circulating of some Dollar General employee calling the cops on black lady because she got the paper coupons and digital coupons. First of all, let me tell you something. I just found out about digital coupons this year. For those of y'all don't know what digital coupons is, that's when uh, uh, the, the supermarket uh, has uh, dollar coup uh, coupons online. In order to do that, you got to go to the website and you got to register and then you got to do some minority report stuff with your phone. Make sure you you go, you tap this and you got to sign this. You got to put this over there just to get, you know, you know, 20 cents off on some ragu. So let me tell you something. If you got if, if a person uh, comes up to register with digital coupons, you know, just go ahead. Just let's let them do the coupon thing. Because they're a better person than me, and 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 and, and it seems you at the register. If you want to call the cops because they got too many coupons, 
We don't need people talking about spilling the tea or no tea, no shade. Yeah, let's let's just put all that 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 Kermit meme and everything. Just let's just put that in the in the ground and just bury it. <sighs> just tired of just like no tea, no shade. Like, who are you talking to? What what what? I'm I'm. I'm old. I have no idea what you're talking about when you say no tea, no shade. Just you are not, you are not a, a sassy gay person. Okay, you are just somebody who's trying to be cool by saying that. It's just whatever. Uh, we don't need MAGA hats, especially now that Kanye is going to wear a MAGA hat. Apparently, he now that he's going to wear. MAGA hat all the time doing shows and whatever so it's just like uh, the MAGA hat doesn't prove anything except uh, you should get your ass beat <laughs> that's all they are they're just indication remember like when L when uh, uh, when LA Gears came out and just those shoes and just like oh that's somebody needs their ass beat because they're wearing LA Gears because I used to wear LA Gears and they were just like a person should have that many laces on their shoes and just that's all that's, that's what MAGA hats are. MAGA hats are the LA gears of the new millennium. Uh, we don't need rich white men not taking responsibility for their actions because apparently, uh, last year was full of them doing that, whether it was Trump or Kavanaugh or Louis C.K. or Kevin Spacey, just like just dudes just coming at just coming. All up in you talking, you know, saying all this stuff, not even taking accountability, that they kind of destroyed some people's lives and just, but hey, but doesn't matter because, you know, just hey, they, 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 they widen the spotlight, so, so don't need them around. Uh, we don't need white women calling the cops on black people for every damn thing. Sometimes black people want to have a barbecue in the park. Sometimes black kids, you know, got some M&Ms they want to sell so they can make money on their own. You know, they don't, you don't, need, they don't need some 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 white lady come out of nowhere with the phone talking about, do you have a permit? Do you have all this? Let's get the hell out. Get out of face because, like, we're... We're just trying to enjoy it. We're, try, we're trying to do something with our lives, and y'all just you just wrecking it by just going on your phone. And the cops ain't gonna help you because the cops are like, "Why the hell are they beating up people? Are they stealing? Why are you calling about about a barbecue or a, or a pool party?" Just oh Jesus. Uh, we don't need hating ass people on Twitter. There's too many of those people just, just from all corners of the world just just hating on people on Twitter. Just that's just just my general thing. Just remember when Twitter used to be fun? It was just like remember ten years ago when it was just like like eight of us just talking about stuff, but now everybody's involved and just uh, we don't need TikTok. I still don't know what TikTok is. Whatever the hell it is, we don't need it. We don't need uh, white hipsters pretending to be woke. Because we all know they're really not woke. Because if they were woke, they'd hang around with minorities. But they don't. They hang around with the same six friends. Trying to recreate the show friends. And drinking Lone Star beer. And doing whatever the hell hipsters, white hipsters do. So, yeah, we don't need them. We don't need to know every damn thing Cardi B does. You know, just, that's just as me personally, just I'm not really paying attention. Cardi B does, I know she's very popular, but... Don't need to know what she does. All and the same goes for Ariana Grande and Selena Gomez and just and just young women in the spotlight in general. I don't need to know every damn thing. Yeah, you know, just 
Uh, we don't need black dudes in cars telling people how other black people should live their lives. You know, for, for those of you who don't pay attention to the Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, there's a lot of guys apparently in the, a lot of dudes, a lot of hotep dudes in their cars doing these videos where they just feel the need to dictate to black people uh, what should be done in the black community. A lot of times it involves black women being uh, submissive and all that. I, I don't even pay attention to those damn dudes, but just like I know a lot of brothers I know are very upset about dudes in cars making videos. So no more of them. And also, uh, you know, we don't need sisters uh, getting ready to hate on a famous brother just who, who they think will start dating white women. You know, just, I don't know what the, I don't know when the hell this all started when there's a brother getting ready to blow up and get real popular. For, and then sisters will just start saying, oh, he'll, he'll get white women. And, and it's like, there's no evidence. And, and if he does get white women, whatever. It just, yeah, you know, he didn't say anything about, uh, you know, black women and stuff like that. Just, he just, he just found, he just found, uh, 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 Gwendolyn and just, yeah, they, they, they clicked. And just, you know, let them do what they want to do. But just basically, um, this is very um, off-brand for me to say, just stop being bitter, 2019. Just stop being bitter. If, if you did something, if did, did something wrong, uh, take responsibility for it. I know being wrong is like, is considered uh, the worst thing that you could ever be, apparently. Uh, but it's not that bad. It it shows character. It just shows shows you you take responsibility for yourself. As somebody who's been wrong on many occasions, sometimes I wasn't exactly wrong, but I had to be wrong for the greater good. Just just people, to, yeah. Just just take responsibility for your actions and and stop being uh bitter bastards and just let's let's try to do stuff that um elevates us. As people, let's stop, stop being selfish bastards. Uh, I, I just, first of all, nobody listens to this show, so I don't even know who I'm, I'm addressing this to. But just, you know, for anybody who's listening, just try to pass that on. Pay, you know, you know, trying to pay it forward. Oh Jesus! Okay, this is um, the most boisterous show. On KPFT. This is the Sour Hour. Let's let's get this this damn party going. I'm allergic. She's like, oh Jesus! Just, <laughs> I forgot to turn that off. Oh, the New Year's coming to a great start, isn't it? Ah, Christ! Here we go. Whatever mm -hmm. day, vibe, month it is, yeah, it just feels like summer. Yes, you know what I'm saying? It always feels like summer in the neighborhood, man, where you get a chance to come in, you get a chance to lay back, you get a chance to laugh, you get a chance to chill. Best believe that, man. And being that it always feels like summer, okay. let's go ahead and make you feel like summer. Summertime in the LB wild, we gon' party till the sun or the guns come out. JB first one foul, y'all playing ball, now the whole city love you a how. Boy, we know they wasn't down from the get go. Dirty got a dozen rounds, better get low. Lil Johnny gave his life for the street. All he got was a plot and a bottle from the wind coat. Still no side, park shy, bench So wins, no friends, we skip those. Truffin' that's in my way in the heaven, might hit that gate, might fall from a big splat. On the concrete, real street runner. First month still feel like summer. Cold weather won't stop, no gun or wrong hat, wrong day, I kill my brother Ay, Summertime in the LB, no it ain't shit to blow, nigga gon' tell me now Drop top with the top down, now the bad shit is gon' feel me now Ay, oh, 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 yeah Scared money don't make money, hey, white man want 
take from it. Hey, white fans at the Coachella. Hey, never been touched, niggas know better. Hey, same way since summer school, baby J. Either I'ma make the news or I'ma make a play. Pass a list of house, coulda took a different route. Wouldn't be without, think about it every day. Moved on life fast like that. Still struggle with the past, I strap. Somebody gotta watch my back. Everybody wanna count my bag. Ease off me, these streets taught me. Speak softly, please don't taunt me. Knowing Vic and them stayed on A. If they ain't me, then I'd be great. Now they looking at me. Summertime in the LB, no, it ain't the bro. Nigga gon' tell me now. Drop top with the top down now. The bad bitches gon' feel me now. Oh, 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 yeah. There it is, man. I told y'all. Feels like summer no matter what it is, man. It always feels like summer in the neighborhood. And being that it feels like summer, let's do this, man. Let's go outside. Hey.
Okay, uh, this is the Sour Hour, a.k.a. Everything is Cancelled, on uh, KPFT HD2, not 3-2. I am Craig D. Lindsay, a.k.a. Anastasia Beaverhausen, a.k.a. Black Larry David, a.k.a. Professional Elvis Mitchell Stalker. Uh, and um, if you want to get at me, uh, on the uh, Twitter, on the Instagram, or any other form of social media, and go to at Uncle Crizzle, at the, that that symbol for at U N C L E C R I Z C L E. Um, hashtag the Sour Hour. If you if you give a damn about me and this show that I keep on doing for free, and um, if you want to listen to previous episodes, uh, you can go on many. Um, listening apps like Mixcloud, Spotify, uh, Google Play, Apple, and all all that stuff. It's out there. So, all right, uh, let me uh hit you back with the uh music I uh, played in that block. Um, first up, uh, feels like summer. From uh, Vince Staples and his FM album. I've been meaning to play Vince Staples here for the longest. Just thought I'd do it finally. Uh, secondly, uh, we got a uh, hot chocolate uh, from Tyler the Creator, uh, featuring Jerry Paper. Is I believe he's a Stone Throw artist, Jerry Paper. I just listened to his uh, album before I got here. Um, from uh, the um, Music inspired by the Grinch project because Tyler, the creator, did a a couple of uh, tracks that appeared in the movie The Grinch. And he felt he he was in such a mood that he decided to make a 10-minute EP of of sorts. And that was one of the tracks on it. And uh, finally, uh, we have uh, Life's a Bitch, Don't I Know It, uh, from Radiant Children, uh, which was... Which album they that was from? That's that's the single, but uh, they they dropped the full length. Uh, what was it called? Uh, oh, the Trine EP. Yeah, that's on that. That's the that came out earlier this on oh, last year. The Trine EP. So yeah, that's them. And uh, yeah, uh, let's get into our guest. Um, when I started uh, this show a year ago, I had this guy on. Um, because mainly I couldn't find anybody I knew to get on the, on the show with me. So, uh, I figured I'd, uh, get him on cause it'd be, yeah, it would be, uh, make sense. Cause, uh, he's not only a fellow film critic, I know, but he's all, but, uh, uh, he's the head of the Houston Film Critics Society and, uh, tomorrow there will be. Uh, once again, just like last year, the uh, Houston Film Critics uh, Society Awards, and uh, uh, he'll he can will be talking about that right now. So, Joshua Starnes, welcome to the Sour Hour. Glad to be back. Okay, and uh, yeah, so just uh, great. Well, uh, you're a returning champion. Uh, how have your life? How's your life changed since um, doing the show? Last time, last this time, last time I was mainly getting over having about a foot of water in my house and was yeah. still dealing with that. So that was a lot of fun. So I will say the big one being I went a year without getting a foot of water in my house, and uh, I'm going to call that a success, a victory. Woo! Uh, and uh, but uh, just uh, people didn't talk about your appearance on this show and just how things happened and just whatever. No, it was good. I'm glad. Uh, um, I am happy to be your fallback when uh, <laughs> when yeah. no one else will say will uh, will come on. I was really um, like, hey, I'm doing a show, and it's it's the same thing when I moved back here a couple of years ago. I thought like, hey, I know a lot of people; they'll help me out. And it's just like I don't know what it is about people, especially people I know in this town. We're just like they're afraid. They they, they don't they don't. People are afraid of radio. We we you know. Besides this, we, you and I used to, to record on a, on a digital radio show with some of our other f- uh, fellow film critics from the Houston Film Critics, and uh, we thought when we started that that there'd be 
a lot of people wanting to go on and put out their opinion about movies and found out there's just a lot of people afraid to, afraid of radio. Nobody wants to go out and talk and, and send their voice out into the airwaves. Well, for me, it was just like that whole thing was just that the whole setup because of, of doing that show was just such a ill-conceived operation. It was, uh, I think we even talked about it when we were doing the first episode of it. We were, we were, we were building the plane uh, while we were flying it, and uh, and it kind of stayed in that in that formation most of its lifespan. Yeah, because it was just like you, you would you would do the show, and then it would be only up for like a couple of, for what a couple of weeks or so. Uh, they could archive. I, I think they could archive like six episodes at a time, and then it would roll. And they ca- I know that there's they stored all of it and they had all the episodes and there was a lot of talk about eventually getting the full archive out so you could get uh, all of them and l- go and listen to any one of them but uh, that never quite seemed to pass yeah because because uh, so it made and and plus it was just it was it was just so impossible to actually track down because apart from it uh, you get it on SoundCloud. Mm-hmm. And I be- you could get it on iTunes or yeah. whatever, but just apart from those two, it, it's kind of a possible way to track it down and just let people. And and, and you, you get you didn't get a sense that people knew about it, and it wasn't out there that much. It was hard to push. I know it went through a couple of iterations for them trying to figure out exactly what it was going to be. At one point, it was going to be digital radio station, and then it was going to be podcast, and then it became getting pushed on iTunes. So there was a lot of thinking and rethinking and, and trying and trying different things and trying hard but one of the one of the sound effect one of the side effects of uh, of reinvention is is it was hard to uh, tell people it was out there and that guy who ran it was an ass uh but uh but on to bigger and better things uh, uh tomorrow is the uh the 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 annual Houston Film Critics Society Awards Yep. Uh, last 12th, year, twelfth annual. Last year was at Match. Yes, last year was at Match. And this year it's at the MFA. It used to be. Yeah. It, y'all used to do it at the MFA. We did it at the MFA H for the first five years that we did it. So from uh, 2008 to 2013, because there was no award show the first year. The first year we just sat around and um, and uh, hashed out who we thought was best. And put it in a press release and uh, and send it out. Uh, so uh, from 08 to 2013, we were at uh, the MFAH, and then we uh, we had to leave. We had to uh, go find some other place to do it. Um, there was some some change in policy, and, and we just weren't gonna be able to use that facility. And uh, we we've bounced around. We tried quite a few others. Um, there's nothing quite like Museum of Fine Arts. We did it for a couple of years at the uh, at what was then the Sundance Cinema in downtown. Now it's the AMC Dine-In that's down the, there. Yeah, the AMC Dine-In mm, 8. That Dine-In 8. So we did it when it was, we did it um, under two auspices. We did it first when it was Sundance and then when Sundance sold it to, um, to uh, I can't remember who the owner was right before AMC bought it. Uh, well, wait. Well, I okay. If we're talking history, because first it was Angelica. First it was Angelica, and then it closed and for then, some time, and then and then it, it then became Sundance, and yeah. then Carmike. Carmike, that's what uh, it was. Bought it up, yeah. So. And then AMC bought Carmike, and it became AMC. So we did it. We did it two years there. We had a really, we'd had uh, a really good relationship with the people who were the managers, who were the Sundance managers, who were real film lovers, um, and they really went uh, went. Um, the extra mile to make it work, but it's tough to to turn a uh, to turn a movie theater auditorium into a presentation stage, and mm-hmm. all of the the corporate acquisitions made that tough. And we have actually we have a fantastic um, facility downtown built as a as a public private partnership, the uh, the Midtown Arts Complex, which mm-hmm. is where um, Catastrophic Theater and Obsidian Theater and uh, um, have their uh, their permanent locations, and they have one facility that has a screen and has done a lot of um, smaller screenings, and we we rented that out, um, and they were very helpful, and we actually expanded the show and and tried new things, but uh, nothing quite like the Museum of Fine Arts it has a has the largest seating, has uh, you know that kind of classic German Bauhaus style, 
and uh, and it's really well set up for the kind of show that uh, that we put on. So happy to be back there. I'm going to ask you the same thing I asked you last mm-hmm. year. Is there food? There will be food. Uh, we that was the other good thing about the Museum of Fine Arts that we had the first several years. We were always able to do a uh, reception there, which is very difficult and anywhere else. So this year there is going to be a after party at the Hotel Zaza right behind the Museum of Fine Arts. Uh, food is uh, yeah, I, I, wasn't that formerly like uh, the marquee? Was it the marquee? I know. Uh, it was, uh, I, I, it was a, l- a long time ago. I know it's like it. It used to be a. a I know it used to be a, the, uh, a, a hotel previously. Yes, and no, it was a different hotel before. Was the Z- and the Zaza came in and took it. And, and I can't remember what the hotel, what it was called. I know it's that that same hotel space that's been there yeah. for years and years that they shot part of Rushmore in, and it's that okay. that same spot that overlooks Herman Park and the Roundabout and everything. Um, so we're going to be having an after party in there. So yeah. food is free. First drink is uh, free, and then then you're on your own. But it should be. Uh, a gay old time. Mm-hmm. Yes, and uh, uh, that also for the critics, just like first drink is free. Yes, know? it is. Uh, okay. Uh, well, we'll deal with that later. <laughs> but um, so yeah, well, let's talk about um, the, uh, the the movies that are nominated because um, uh, yeah, you know, uh, I actually wrote about it uh, uh, when the nominations were announced mm-hmm. and how. Uh, the favorite is, is the favorite. Is the favorite. Yeah. The, is the favorite is the favorite. Mm-hmm. And I can't really discuss uh, who's going to win everything, but just like uh, uh, just in terms of what, what can people expect. Uh, well, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting slate, an interesting mix this year. Uh, in fact, it was, uh, it was uh, so contentious in the nominating that uh, we have 11 films mm-hmm. in our, our best picture slate this year instead of, uh, instead of uh, 10 because we we couldn't decide on the last couple of them they just kept coming out as ties um, but we've got a lot of stuff that you've heard of um, throughout the year and with good reason because um, um, uh, they're really you know they are among the best uh, of the year the favorite which you'll certainly see in, in a lot of other critics groups top tens uh, if they're not winning if it's not winning outright in a lot of other critics groups and you'll see it in a lot of you know the Golden Globes and I'm sure the Oscars um, if Beale Street could talk Roma Roma which has been getting a lot of love um, all year long um, um, Black Panther Black Klansman um, a star is born, which has been getting a big push ever since Toronto. Um, um, the green book. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as you get to the, the cutest racism movie to come along in quite some time. <laughs> it's basically, yeah, it's basically what it is. Yeah. A cute racism movie. That's, that's what Hollywood, it's the, it's the Hollywood, the Hollywood take on it. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, as you get to the bottom, um, is where you get to the interest. I, I want to say the interest stuff, which isn't to say they're not all interesting, but that's where you get into, and it's not even the bottom. It's just, let's say it's the point where the, the opinions start to diverge mm-hmm. and you get into things that uh, you won't necessarily see on other people's lists. So we have uh, hereditary, the, um, the really, really um, disconcerting horror film from uh, a 24 this year was Tony Collette with some of the. Um, well, that was that. That was a considered a very acclaimed film because, yep. like, is like there. There's uh, you know, there was that whole thing where that and a quiet place. Mm-hmm. People were like, "Oh, horror mm-hmm. movies are interesting again." Yeah, but they haven't. Uh, they haven't. Um, I mean, it's wait to see until we start to see some of the nominations. But they haven't really gotten um, some. Of, a lot of people were talking about them in the first half of the year, and it could be that that first half of the year curse where things yeah. that come out in the first half of the year get forgotten by the time awards. I hate that there is an award season, but there is, but by the time award season gets to us and everything from Toronto starts to, uh, to get, um, to come down the pipe and starts to get a lot of the, the push and the screeners and the advertisements and whatnot, um, that those movies can get forgotten. But I have, we haven't seen, uh, we haven't seen hereditary show up on a lot. We've seen a lot of people individually. I see it on Twitter a lot and a lot of individual critics talking about hereditary and Tony Collette's, um, performance, but I haven't seen a lot get nominated in a lot of places. And it's both are nominated in our list for, for a best picture and a best performance, nom- actress nomination. 
um, which I'm very proud of. And um, um, First Reformed made it in, which we, and it's, I, I guess that's getting mixed. It's, it's, I see it, you know, in a lot of, uh, uh, I see it in, a, in a, some lists and then not others. It's maybe not, it seems to be, there's some people who really, the people who like it really, really like it and people who don't care for it really don't care for it. So, um, um, but that's in there. And then Eighth Grade, Bo Burnham's um, coming of age film, which is, you know, a really great film that came out in the summer, but uh, it hasn't gotten um, the big marketing push that uh, some of the other the other big contenders have. So it's unfortunately sort of uh, fallen under the radar. So I'm really glad that could, could make its list. It had a fantastic um, act, central leading actress performance. Uh, from a young actress who's far too young to be as good as as good as she is in that movie and having to do um, some really tough stuff and some really difficult scenes and uh, she pulls it off really well how do you feel about uh, Netflix uh, just becoming uh, a a heavy contender with uh, a lot of movies because they dropped Roma Mm -hmm. and they dropped uh, the Coen Brothers the Ballad of uh, Buster Scruggs and apparently you know over the uh, holidays Bird Box was the big one yeah it was a much talked about film you know it depends on what you want mostly i'm sort of ambivalent about it and i'll tell you why i think it comes down to what you want out of your movies um because i remember bird box is kind of a good case in point it's filling like the i think the same basic uh, slot that uh will smith bright did last year where you have a big genre film with a, a big movie star you know like a classic hollywood entertainment that's coming out right there at the end of the year and um and it's easy to watch because it's on that it's just there like all right oh it's it's there i'm here the movie's there i'm on my couch i don't have to go anywhere i don't have to get a sitter i don't have to spend a hundred dollars on candy i can just watch it so yeah 45 million people or whatever the number was is going to watch it um and that's i think that says a lot about where we are with movies and viewing movies right now there was um there was an interesting quote i read from from i can't remember which cohen brothers said it It was in one of the uh one of their their press interviews they did um a little bit before buster scruggs dropped that you know they they had some mixed feelings because they really missed having it as a big screen experience that they it had screened at like a couple of a couple of theaters so they'd been able to see it with audiences a couple of times but it was really just on netflix and that on the one hand it was great that netflix gave them the budget and gave them the outlet so they could go and make the movie and i'd agree with that because i I love that movie it made it onto my top 10 list this year but at the the same time uh they don't feel and i understand this especially from a filmmaker they don't they it doesn't feel the same seeing it on the screen for them you know without the big screen experience it's not the same for them as filmmakers and they don't feel it's the same for audiences you know i've seen a lot of a lot of think pieces about roma telling people yes you can see it on netflix but if you're in a town with it where it has it in theaters go see it in a theater because you're missing out so the question is what do we want out of cinema is it only to be in theaters on the big screen and if it is are we willing to pay the price for that? Because it's not its not by accident that these are coming to Netflix. They're coming to Netflix because Netflix will pay for them and provide, they will, Netflix has become, and, and Amazon and Hulu have become the place that will provide the budgets for, you know, mid, mid-budget, 45, 60 million dollar adult-oriented dramas, um, that may or may not necessarily be Oscar fair, but you know, besides jet and it's not everywhere else. It's $200 million superhero movies because that's what will make money. You know, you have more, more movies now than ever opening on more than a thousand screens, grossing less than $10 million. And that's gotta be terrifying, but that will put a studio out of business if that happens often enough. So, you know, their their logical choices, well, we're just not gonna make those anymore. We're gonna make the ones that people will go see. So people will go to the theaters to see the two hundred million dollar superhero movie and that leaves you with Netflix to see the the stuff the you know, the good stuff, the stuff that lasts. Almost seems that uh, Netflix, in a sense, is making uh, it impossible to see movies like Roma on the big screen, considering all the stuff they went through with distributing it. In terms of just uh, they put they put restrictions and caps on certain uh, art house chains mm-hmm. 
because they they were gonna just get they would get a theater, but they would but Netflix would get all the money, which is mm-hmm. kind of not how it works. Yep. And just uh, just just seeing how do you feel like sometimes uh, when when something like that comes along, you feel that that uh, that it, it's almost more harm than good, like getting those movies, but at the same time not giving them the proper distribution that they should. I think it's really, it's a small part of that long fight that's been going on of what is movie distribution going to be. And that's been going on a, a long time. What is what is profitable for the exhibitors and for the studios? What's the window like? How do, you, how do we deal with this without dropping the number and kind of movies we make to a very select few? You know, there's been this fight um, that Netflix did not start it. They just sort of, I think they wandered into the middle of it. Um, that's been going on for probably, at least, you know, ever since the, the bottom dropped out of the DVD market, at least, mm-hmm. of how long, how long is the, win- the theatrical window? How long do we have to put something out before, you know, when can we start doing day and date um, and use the big marketing budget we're spending for the theaters to also push our Blu-ray sales? And, uh, uh, you know, how long, you know, we can only keep this stuff in people's consciousness for so long. We can't afford to spend the kind of money we used to and hold this thing for a year before we put it out on video. Mm. And that's a fight that doesn't, you know, nobody wants to budge. The exhibitors don't want to budge. They definitely don't want to have to deal with um, competing with the studios, with their own, you know, content providers for for where the money's going to go. But, uh there's not enough people going to enough different kinds of movies, even with like, you know, the, the record earnings they made this year still, that's only coming from a handful of movie. I think like Disney by itself had six of the 10 highest grossing movies. So there's the people who are going to the theaters are only going for a few specific things and, and not much else. So that's not, that's, it's, it's a race to the bottom. Eventually, you know, it's kind of a game of chicken and somebody's going to, going to have to, uh, going to have to blink at some point or everybody is going over the edge. Um, but Netflix, it might change Netflix some too. What I had been reading was it's one of the side effects, especially of Roma and some of their decisions to, to leave it in some theaters, um, for a little bit longer to put it into theaters longer ahead of time before, they actually released it onto the service is maybe a realization depending on at least for some movies that the classic Netflix model, okay, we're going to say it's out and it's coming out and it's out. They're not going to want to do that for everything. There's some things where, you know, they're, it's going to work for them and whatever it is that they want to put it into theaters, especially if they're going to get pushed back from like the con film festival, some of the other festivals like they did from Roma um, and to, kind of do a little bit of what Amazon's done, which is to maintain some sort of theatrical channel. Mm-hmm. And it probably won't be everything they do. Um, they, they almost certainly probably get more out of taking stuff like, like Bird Box and just putting it out and getting a lot of eyeballs on it than they would having it have a theatrical run and then putting it on the service. But, you know, stuff like Buster Scruggs and Roma, those kind of things, giving them a theatrical run and then putting it on, the, you know, and doing like the Manchester by the Sea play, I could see that totally working for them. And that sounds like something they're at least thinking about. Whether they're going to do it or not, I don't know. But it sounds like they're thinking about it. Uh, we have to get into something uh, personal, if I should say. Because uh, um, I uh, went on your Facebook page mm-hmm. and you you said that uh, you have seen 773 movies in 2018? That's right. How? squeeze it. I, I I spend my wife probably my wife know I'd say my wife would want to hear about it but she knows I mean she's around it all the time almost any moment that I am spending uh, not doing something where I can't watch a movie I will be watching a movie I do I do uh, multitask a lot so it will usually be watching a movie while I'm doing something else. So I like to cook. So I will usually have my kitchen set up so I can see the, the TV in the living room from the kitchen. So I'll usually have something like on from like Turner Classic Movies or something. Um, usually usually try to have it something I haven't seen before. Um, while I'm cooking, I'll do the same thing when I've been um, working on a project or any, doing anything with my hands where uh, I can be doing that or doing something that I that's tedious and repetitive where I, you know, can cast my, I want something to cast my mind to. Um, and as much as I hear a lot of cinephiles, um, 
rag on it. It actually has been a real revelation for me to be able to have movies on my phone wherever I go. It makes commute, commutes um, where I'm not having to drive a lot easier. I've spent a lot of waiting in airports and uh, and riding on planes and trains uh, with movie on my phone. It makes all of that go uh, a lot easier. And there's a lot of stuff I haven't seen that uh, a few years ago I said, you know, I'm going to buckle down and watch it. And if you put your mind to it, you can watch three movies a day. I mean, it's a lot, but you can totally do it. Here's another question. Why? It's what I like. It's uh, uh, it's it's what I love. It's, you know, um, when I... Uh, when I uh, started, you know, maybe not a, a, a right away when I first started getting into film criticism, but uh, but somewhere along the line, then early in, I started to think to myself, you know, it's not just a uh, it's not just a vocation, but an avocation. I do it because it's something that uh, that is an important part of my life, and uh, and I love it. And um, the viewing of movies and the thinking of movies, uh, thinking about movies, and. Uh, that eventually led to <clears throat> to the next I, what I thought was the next logical th- thought was that if something is your avocation, you need to to treat it that way. You need to be studying it intently and intensely all the time. You need to be thinking about it. You need to be knowing more about it so that you are, are better. You know, if you're going to be a good film critic, you need to be studying and thinking about it so that you can make yourself a better film critic so that you can know what you're talking about and particularly in the arts and you know and, and film that means knowing your history knowing your present knowing there's there's a lot of there's a lot of film out there there's more than i will ever see and there's more all the time every Apparently decade we're making more <laughs> you know i have if, if that's I, the way you're going and i have as but, long as you live to see at least uh uh 700 movies i don't know if i'll do that year. every year but was um, this like your peak year was no this? last year was my peak year last year i saw 926 why once again why <laughs> Because I wanted to, because I, I, I wanted to, there's so much, stu- some of it stuff, you know, you know, a good, a good 150, 160 of those are the things that I see during, that are come out during the, the year that are, uh, the stuff I have to review the wide releases for the year. But then the rest, there's, there's so much I haven't seen that I've, I've heard so much about, not all of it. Do I come away from going? I'm glad I watched it, but most of it I do. But that's the, that's what you just just mm-hmm. said right now, just like you saw it, and you did, and that's been like a thing for me. Uh, you know, as years have gone mm-hmm. on, where just like, you know, you, especially uh, this year, well, last year mm-hmm. when uh, you know, of course, you know that end of the year crunch comes, yep. where you got to see all these damn movies, and you just like, and you keep on hearing so many things ba- about it, and just it gets to a point where it's just like. It's hard to even watch movies uh, to enjoy because especially as, as, as people whose job it is mm-hmm. often to, to watch movies, you feel like uh, uh, it's just uh, it, it, it's, it becomes a chore. We're just like do like do, it, like it, it. Sometimes I feel like am I watching this movie because I want to watch this movie or is just like I watch the movie because if I don't, I'm out the loop or whatever. It's just like I've definitely had that feeling about some some movies a lot of them uh, um, and some of that's more so the stuff that's around now than some of the the retrospective stuff that i'm still catching up on that uh that i I, if i could go back and it might seem like a waste of information but if i could go back and tell my younger self to start earlier i wouldn't be cramming so much now but um uh, you know, a lot of that stuff is so good. Even if I'm feeling like, oh, why, you know, why am I doing this to myself? And what am I really getting anything out of it? And and uh, and stressing on it. But you start watching the good ones, and r- pretty soon you're swept away by it. And you're just like, no, this is this is good. This is uh, this is um, this is worthwhile. There was um, the uh, the BBC uh, probably like four or five years ago put out a, um, and I think about this whenever I think about like, what am I doing, spending all my time doing this? Um, they put out a, uh, a list of what they call like required viewing. They, they put it out, it was basically said it was, they called it like the canon for film and they basically, their preface for it was, if we consider film, if we truly consider film and art form on par with great literature um, and great music, then it should have a canon. It should be something that we should be like teaching the kids, as you know, the same way we teach books in school. And I got thinking about that. I'm like, okay, if we if we do consider it 
an art form equal to those, then it's not a waste. We wouldn't say someone who spent all their whole life, all their free time in their life reading the great books of literature from, from of world literature as having been wasted. And we don't look down on those people. So why, if, if we do truly consider uh, uh, film to be an art form on par with, uh, with any of the other great art forms uh, of, of, you know, human history, then spending your life watching the great films, not watching all of them. There are definitely some of them I wish you could take back, but watching the great films of which there are, there are a lot um, uh, and more every year, um, we shouldn't consider that a waste. Well, yeah, you're, you're, you're right, right about seeing a lot of films of the past, which I always enjoy watching, but just like just in, in terms of just, you know, watching a lot of films, especially films that come out this year. That's this a little tougher. Year, yeah, it's a little tougher. There are some, that crunch at the end, some of the ones you're like, you'd get to them like, like I, I did watch everything that came in the mail, but there was definitely a bit in the middle and I'm like, uh, Maybe I'll just watch half of this one. I don't yeah. think I'm getting any more out of it, and go on to the next one. That does. I mean, that can. There's not everything's going to be a winner, especially the year of. Yeah. But I give it your best shot. Yeah, give. And also, just in uh, just terms like just like I miss just watching a movie to watch it. Yeah. And just like if you if you like it, if you like you don't don't because especially film Twitter. Yeah. I know you're not like a big part of that whole. Try to stay out of it. Yeah. Just if you if you place your opinion about a movie that's just not of the uh, whatever. Yep. And, you know, film you know, the people out there ready to, to slam you down. And just like that's not what it's supposed to be about. Yeah. You say, you know, and that's always been the I don't know the tough thing. And and everybody I found in film criticism has a different idea about how you're supposed to go about it and what it's supposed to be. Am I just going out and going like, hey, I love this movie. I enjoyed this movie and that's it. Is there supposed to be some more reflection on it? Okay, I, I did like it, but why did I like it? Is it is it really worth what I liked about it? and, and Or is it just the kind of movie that I'm, I'm prepared to like? Right. Um, and the other way around, and maybe that's why I try to see some of the stuff that I try to see, because I have found you know a bunch of times stuff that I probably left to my own devices would have passed up but then having sat and watched it gone oh actually that was very good i'm glad i took the time that one that one paid off i would not have looked for it uh, there was a great animated movie this year called mirai that ended up way up on my top 10 list that left to my own devices i probably would not have watched i mainly watched it because it came in the screener packet and i fell in love with it as soon as i saw it yeah all right uh Okay, let's wrap this up here. Where can people contact? Where can people get you on the medias and all that stuff? Follow me on Twitter at Josh Starnes Film. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Also, Josh Starnes Film on Instagram. I, I thought it was JB Starnes One. Oh no, you're right. It is JB Starnes One. I, okay. I canceled the old Josh Starnes Film one on Instagram. JB Starnes One on Instagram. And uh, we're going to be at the Museum of Fine Arts uh, tomorrow night, uh, January 3rd, starting at 7 p.m counting down to all of our winners best picture best actor best actress and then one special award that that we do uh for the best texas independent film all right thank you uh joshua for being here uh this is craig Lindsay saying uh sarah huckabee uh you me and those uh vietnamese uh faux bowls that you can get in like a carton just just get with those you can just microwave those all the damn time and just been loving the rouge you've been having on lately. So, all right. Catch you later. <laughs>